Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,529. History is hard to recognize when you're living it. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and a welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and very excited to share with you today a very special guest, Steve Algram, who's calling in from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. No doubt where it's nice and sunny today, unlike where I am, where it's raining just a little bit. Steve Algram works at Motor Car Gallery, where they have over 200 years of combined in-house exotic, vintage, and collector car experience. From the common to the obscure, the team helps navigate your collector car journey through values, inspections, finance, transportation, storage, and the maintenance of your vintage automobiles. Steve has been buying and selling collectible automobiles for nearly 40 years. While his area of expertise is in the Ferrari mark, his assignments have ranged from brass era Buicks to the most modern exotics. Steve is a board member of the IAC PFA, a Ferrari judging council. He also has helped in the planning of several shows, and serves as the chief judge of the Celebration Florida Exotic Car Festival. We'll be back in a minute to talk with Steve, uh, but first, a word from our valued sponsors that make Cars yeah possible. Hey, Cars yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you a Cars Yeah subscriber? If you're not, go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send you my free filler up book. It's a very cool book I created of fuel filler fun, some very cool imagery, and great quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get my weekly email follow-up and my weekly blog. Just go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send it to you right away. Thanks for subscribing. Hey, Steve, a welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I think today we'll be doing more garage talk than cruising, but I'm looking forward to swapping some stories. <laughs> Absolutely. I know in this day and age. And I'll tell our listeners, uh, Steve is also a future guest on the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast that I do with with uh, Keith Martin. We had a great talk with him about the valuations, collector cars, and all the such. But today, we're going to take a deeper dive into Steve's life, learn a lot more about him, and of course, the business that he's operating there. As I dive into it here, Steve, could you tell our listeners maybe one little thing that most people don't know about you? 
Well, I think that one little thing that you that people might want to know is that um, I really enjoy going to local cars and coffees as much as I do major concourse. I live in Fort Lauderdale, and we have a lot of car shows over the winter. We also have a lot of guys with extraordinary collections. You know, the kind lines of magazine cover cars perfectly displayed in rooms professionally designed for display. Supercars um, are all over the place down here. You'll see more cars in a weekend than a kid in Nebraska will see in a lifetime. And so, <laughs> yeah. we, um, so when you go to uh, one, of the, one of the shows down here, you're going to see streets lined with all kinds of special cars. What I enjoy going to sometimes is just the local cars and coffee show. Last weekend, uh, I went to a local Sunday morning show and divided between the restaurant parking lot and the city streets was a mixture of interesting cars with a total value less than one supercar. There was a Volvo that had been amateurly turboed, a VW Bug that had featured a Porsche 912 Power, and a BMW 2002 that most everybody walked over to. You know, a guy shows up there with a full Mercedes rally car that was little more than a tacky old diesel with a couple stickers, but the guy loves the car. And he gets more enjoyment out of driving that than uh, the guy with the room full of supercars gets out of his whole collection. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is an important uh, point that you make. Um, like you, I attend a lot of Concours events. And they're fun and they're wonderful. The cars are spectacular. But there's also that air of a little bit of tension, especially if they're judging cars. People are a little on edge and a lot less likely to spend time with you, perhaps, because they're waiting for the car to be judged or they're anxious about how the judging went and so forth. But cars and coffees are so relaxed and you make a really great point. Everybody is invited to these events and they bring whatever they have. And I always kind of chuckle at cars that would never be on a Concord lawn, but everybody's standing around and they're enjoying. And of course, you live like I grew up in Southern California, Har Mecca down in there in Florida, where your weather's always nice and there's plenty of things to see. So I'm glad you brought that up. I always tell listeners, you know, even if you don't have a car to take and show, go to a Cars and Coffee because you'll have an awesome time. Well, let's start this journey, Steve, about uh, or have you share, I should say, a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning for you. So sit behind the wheel, grab the wheel, and let's get the tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, take it away. I have a quote that's history is hard to recognize when you're living it. And it's a, it, it's something that uh, we go through, and particularly when you've been in the business for a long time, you'll be somewhere, you'll see something that you just didn't recognize at the time. And, and as you look back at it uh, historically, it uh, it's something that was really important in history. And a good, a good example I have is when I took my son to the 2005 Formula One race at Indianapolis. That was the year both Michelin and Pirelli provided tires to the teams. We watched the cars come out, go around the track, do a lap or two before half of them quickly pulled into the pits and retired uh, into the garages. I looked at my son and I told him, few people will ever remember who won last year's race, but everyone will remember this race. And, that was weird, wasn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, it, it was weird, but it was history. And, and little things like that, that at the time you don't remember or you don't pay much attention to are things that people will remember for forever. And, you know, as you remember that event, most everybody else does, does too. If you are watching on TV and the, the horror of the cars pulling into the pits and you're saying, what's going on? You know, we ended up having to call a friend of ours that was watching it on television. To say, tell us what's happening. Yeah, what? Yeah, what's happening? Why? Why did all the? Did someone piss somebody off? I mean, what's going on here? 
That was a weird one for sure. Yeah. You know, you make a really good point. And that's a great thing about old cars is they are a captured time in history. Would you agree being around cars for as many years as you have that our passion for these cars many times isn't so much about the car itself, but it's the memories, the history that it brings back to our lives? Oh, absolutely. Where we were, who we were with, if it was a racetrack, if it was a concourse field, all of that stuff really is is things that you you remember. We went out to um, Pebble Beach. The first time I went out to Pebble Beach, one of the guys that I went with, I have to pass along, we were really adults at this time. He had rented a Camaro. And we're at a restaurant, a nice restaurant in um, in Carmel. He backs up to the door of the restaurant, power brakes, it steps on the gas, smokes the tire, filling the front of the restaurant, and then takes off. I, I never would have done that at, at, at myself, but but it was something that at the time it went down and it was a fun activity. Yeah, there was probably a bunch of people clapping inside there too, I'm guessing. <laughs> I guess, uh, I don't that. know. And now, now we know why all the locals just don't like that event. I. I've been going there 31 years, and my cousin for years would leave town and say, here's the keys to my house. Have fun. Uh, Let me know when all you yahoos go home. It was a bonus for me because I had a free place to stay for, gosh, for 12 years down there. Sadly, he sold his business and moved, so now I'm back like the rest of us. Well, let's talk about Motor Car Gallery, this company that you work with. I'd like for you to share a lot more about what you guys do, what you provide, why us enthusiasts who haven't heard about Motor Car Gallery need to check you guys out. A motor car gallery was started by a guy by the name of Ed Waterman. And Ed and I met each other years ago. He used to advertise in the back of Road and Track magazine uh, as a business called Thoroughbred Motor Cars in Arlington, Virginia. And at the time, I was general manager of a store called FAF Motor Cars that was a Ferrari dealer in Atlanta. And both of us used to do advertisements in the back of um, Road and Track. And he would have this wonderful selection of uh, all kinds of exotic cars. You never knew what he was going to have. And we also would have a great selection of Ferraris. And we got to know each other from there. And one um, at one point, um, FAF got sold. And I ended up working on my own and was talking to Ed. And he said, well, why don't you come down and work for me? So I came down to Fort Lauderdale, which I really love Fort Lauderdale anyway. And I came down and uh, I worked for him for about two years. And at that point, the business was a little bit slow. Ed was doing okay, obviously, in his business. But uh, but it was a little bit slow as far as exotic car business. So I went back to Atlanta for a couple of years. A couple of years later, Ed bought a big, beautiful building. We talked again about coming down. He said, well, if you'd like to... Uh, come down and run the business for me. Why don't you come down and do it? Now, Ed, when it comes to running the business, Ed is a everyday person. He's there every day and you don't really run the business. You just work there. But uh, but I came down and ran the business for uh, many years or several years, I guess we'll call it. And then eventually, about two years ago, the business sold and we have some new partners in there and they're um, they're now the people in charge of the business. Ed still comes in. The fun thing about it was Ed loved all kinds of cars. And whether it's a Monteverdi or a Iso or a Pegaso, what, whatever it is, Ed loves those cars and knows about them. His, uh, his love of um, Rolls Royces, uh, special body Rolls Royces, uh, and that very few people know as much about them as he does. And of course, um, he really liked Ferraris. And 
I really like Ferrari. So we got along real well in that respect. So we've sold a lot of Ferraris through the years, uh, special Maseratis, Alphas, all kinds of special collector cars. In general, I used to describe the company as in 1974, 1975, when Ed started out, he would sell used exotics, late model used exotics. And that's what we sold those same cars through the years. It would be normal to go into the dealership. I mean, for, and this is, goes on for years and years and years. It would be normal to go in and there'd be a Daytona in there, a Dino in there, a 275 GTS, a 330 GTS, any kind of old, old Ferrari and actually Maseratis also that we would keep through the years. And that had been the mainstay of the business. However, over the last couple of years, we kind of migrated more towards modern cars. And we still have the collector cars, but we also have more late model cars, uh, late model Ferraris, late model Mercedes Benz, and more and more modern cars than we've had in the past. Yeah, well, markets definitely change. And you've been in this industry so long, you've seen how markets change and you have to adapt and uh, adjust and move. Now you're a Ferrari guy. You're a Ferrari expert. What's what's your favorite thing about Ferraris? Why'd you migrate to uh, to Ferraris with your your passion for those F cars, as I call them? You know, it was interesting. There was a cover of a Road and Track magazine years ago, and there was a fella out and they call it the American in Italy, a guy by the name of Thomas Mead or Tom Mead that uh, went from California over to Italy and designed some cars. And he had a car they called the Thomasina that made the cover of uh, Road and Track. And it was the most beautiful car at that point that I've ever seen in my life. It was a beautiful coupe with a very bulbous body. It had pipes coming down the sides, much like um, much like my, you might see in a Cobra, where you have the outside pipes in the Cobra, except that they, they didn't just come straight out of the car. They actually were like spaghetti wound around coming out of the side of the car and coming down the side. This windshield um, curved back so far that inside the car, the person's head would almost see the windshield. It, it, was, it was an incredible car. It was a beautiful red color. And that car is what did it for me. When I saw that car, Ferraris are just incredible. And as a growing up in um, northern Indiana, you seldom saw anything like that. I mean, it was just Ferraris went around, but I happened to work at a marina. The marina was across a lake from Chicago. And we had a guy that uh, came over that brought a Ferrari Daytona over. I would see that car and I'd just stand around to look at the car and think, what a beautiful car. And it turned out that uh, years later, and when I went to school down in, um, well, actually, it was after, after I was out of school, I was following up on an ad for a Lotus Super 7 in the Indianapolis Star newspaper and went to a guy's place to take a look at this Super 7. And he had a carport full of old Ferrari, cool Ferrari race cars and collector type cars. It was something I've never seen before. It was It was just astonishing. And I went back, and um, in the library at the school, there was a book on Ferraris. And I pulled out this book on Ferraris and uh, started reading it. And that's where I got my background on Ferraris, <laughs> yeah. from, this, from this book. Yeah, they're hard not to love no matter what. And when you look at the entire history, especially if you get to go to events, I've been to Cavallino a few times, and you see the the width and breadth of designs, all the famous designers who designed for Ferrari, and then, of course, the race cars. and into the factory a few times back in their cliente where they have that room full of all those F1 cars 
you just stand there and go, holy cow. And, and you see, there's just such a passion to it. Add the Italian flavor and flair. I mean, everything came together with that mark in a wonderful way, and it continues to do so today. What's the favorite thing for you about what you do in your business? What really gets you excited every day about getting out of bed and going in and allowing people to have dreams fulfilled? I have to tell you more than anything else, it's been the people. Through the years, the people I've met have just been have been wonderful. They're, they're exciting people that... Um, that you admire for what they do, the cars they have, the friends that they introduce you to. That's what I like, perhaps even more than the cars themselves. I really enjoy going in and meeting the people. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it's all about, for sure. I hear that over and over again. Let's take a short break, thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYEAH and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at com. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, we're back here, Steve, and I want you to share... Maybe a journey that you took, a road you went down that things weren't quite as expected. Uh, talk to us about a big failure or a big challenge, something in your life, something in your career that kind of set you back a bit. But more importantly, how did you overcome it and what was the lesson learned so you can move forward? I think the biggest challenge I've ever faced was the collector car market. 
the business had been very good throughout the late 80s and getting into what we were hoping for in 1990. And in 1990, I went out to the Barrett-Jackson auction and I came back and said, it's over. The switch has been uh, has been thrown. Our business is going to be changed forever. And it was very difficult then because we had people who had bought cars from us that were losing huge amounts of money. One guy that I sold, um, the first F40 we sold, we sold for $1.1 million. And he eventually decided he wanted to sell it, which would have been 1990, 1991, something like that. And that $1.1 million car had changed value so much that we got him out at $385,000 and felt lucky to do that. Ouch. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, had a client that we sold a half million dollar 275 GTB, taking him out at $250,000. I bought a Dino that uh, we paid $150,000. We finally got out of that car six, eight months later at by trading five different smaller cars that were the equivalent of $60,000. I mean, th- that that was something that uh, that has always had brought caution to what I do. I guess it's like the people who grew up during the Depression. I always have paid attention as we've got up markets that there's a good chance that things may not stay up the way they are. And what I learned from that is that the cars are worth what they are. While I felt horrible about some of the prices and some of the losses that the people took, it was something that I learned. This is part of the business, and a car is worth what a car is worth, and uh, what they, what somebody paid for it, so what somebody put into it in terms of uh, paint job, restoration, or whatever else. It doesn't make any difference. It's only worth what somebody will pay for it now. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, what we're going through right now with this virus and the effects on the economy and I mean, the the learning lesson here is you just don't know. And and a repeated message that I've heard on both Cars yeah! and Buy, Sell, Hold is when you go to buy a collector car, buy something you love because things might change. And if you bought it just to make money off of it, unless you're a car dealer and that's your business, that's fine. But if you bought it thinking, you know, all your friends said, this car is going to definitely go up, it's going to double and triple. No, it might not. For those young listeners out there that might go, 1990, what was going on back then? Maybe you can touch on what caused that big meltdown. You know, I'm not sure that I could really put a uh, finger on exactly what happened. We had had a big run-up on the market due to hysteria. Um, it turned, there, there would be a, there was kind of a saying at the time that you can't pay too much. You can only buy too soon. And so any, everybody that had a little bit of money wanted to buy a car and it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. If, if you change the supply and demand curve and you've got more demand than you have supply, then the prices have to go up and they went up and up and up. And all of a sudden that was it. They were no longer going up. And I don't know that you can put a finger on it being interest rates, uh, you know, fuel crisis, anything else. I think it was just a matter that all of a sudden people realized this is the end. There's no person past me that wants to pay more money for the car. Yeah, which in hindsight, of course, which is always 2020, uh, those cars came back and then some, some of them even more. So things did change. And and there again lies the lesson here. Uh, Always be prepared for things that will change. Uh, You see, again, I'll, you know, mention what's going on now with the virus and everything is you see people that, can't even go one month without having 
to work because they don't have enough savings. And so that old story, like you say, that our grandparents that lived during the Depression realized that and tucked money away and were careful and planned because if anything is constant, it's that thing called change, right? Yeah. Going back just a step, you had um, talked about something that is a constant theme that you buy what you like. The one thing that I don't ever hear anybody add to that, and I'd like to add to it is, if you like it, there's a good chance somebody else will. That's the important part of that, that that if you look at it and say, I love this car, this car is beautiful, it is in great condition, it's fast, or whatever it is that makes that car appealing to you, it probably is going to be appealing to someone else. I use the example through the years of the Ferrari 365 GTC4. Somebody that is not familiar with that car might call it the clown lip car because it has this, if you have a red car, it's got this big black rubber bumper around the front. And it's not terribly attractive. As the market starts changing, which it does every once in a while, people come in and see, hey, I've got Daytonas. I see Daytonas are going up in value. I think I'd like to buy a 365 GTC4 because I believe that they're going to follow them up in value. And what happens is they're never saying, I had a picture of this on my wall in uh, college. They're never saying, this is the most beautiful car I've ever seen. They're saying, I think this car might be more valuable. Well, the problem is it never is. When the market slows down, it's one of the first cars that are going to drop in value. And I hate to say that to people who have that car, but it's one of the first cars that drop in value. And it's it's something that you buy that car because you like the sound of the car. You like driving the car because it's a wonderful driving car. But don't buy it because it's an investment because it generally is not. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's you, You paint a really good picture there, and that's called speculating. It's like picking stocks, um, you know, well, I think, um, and again, definitely, uh, definitely right now you see a decline in stock values and you can sit here and go, well, I think that company will come back. It might, it might not. We, we really don't know. So yeah, pick, uh, pick a car you love that you have passion for and pick a car that also, uh, just makes you happy, makes you smile because if you get stuck with it, you'll still be happy. You'll still be smiling. You can go out and enjoy it and have a good time. So well said. Let's go back in time a little bit, Steve, and talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life and you knew you were indeed going to be a lifelong car guy? I suppose it's something that I've known all the way along. As I said, I went, I used to get road and track and I would look at the road and track magazines and read them cover to cover and knew everything about the cars that were in there. And I kind of remember about the same time that there was a trading card box that you could get that would have sports cars of the world. And I remember having this trading card box and going through there and reading about um, cars like Skodas and other kind of strange cars that that you just didn't see in the United States. And and I just loved that. And I went to um, school. And when I got to school, I had a buddy by the name of Clarence Novak. Clarence's father was a doctor. Clarence's father had uh, a cool Volvo. He had a Shelby GT350 and had a Seata. And Clarence and I used to talk about these cars. And he was on my kind of same wavelength when, when we were talking about these cool cars. And I guess that's probably when I really got my start. It was back back in high school. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I don't know that I ever saw those cards. I'll have to go and do a little research on those because it sounds sounds pretty interesting. I know my, 
parents when I was quite young gave me a book. I think it was called Cars of the World. It had all these cars that I'd never seen before. And I grew up in Southern California where there were a lot of great cars, nice cars. And then had a friend whose dad had a Nira and another one with a Daytona and some with old. My dad had a 49 MGTC. So I had been around some, but I remember that book opened my eyes to so many other cars. Like, where are these things? I want to, I want to go see these. Well, you probably had a lot of cars in your life, but what was the first one that was really special for you? Probably the, you know, the very first one that I got was kind of a special car. I had an uncle who got his daughter a Firebird. When he got her the Firebird, her leftover car was a Chevy 2 or a Nova, as we would think about it, 1964 Nova. This car was a burgundy car with an SS package, you know, the shifter down the center, bucket seats, it was convertible. And that was my first car. And, and that car was really kind of special to me. And it's one that I remember to this day that uh, all the fun we would have driving around and how that turned me on to cars. It wasn't just transportation. It was a cool car. And I suppose that's yeah. what got me started on the uh, journey. You know, you had a way cooler Nova than me. I had a 1967. It was my first car. The uh, neighbor down the street owned a car dealership and told my parents that he got this car in trade from an old lady. She'd had it since new. It was perfect. And it was a 67 Nova, but it had the bench seats. It was the column shift. It was the little motor. And there was nothing cool about this car at all, except that it was a four-door, so I could load all my buddies in there. I put surf racks on it. We could all go surfing uh, and enjoy it. But I always couldn't wait to the day I get something a little more cool. And I'd see those Novas like you have, and I'm like, why didn't that old lady buy one of those? Well, we know why, you know. Uh, but this car even had those plastic seat covers with the little bumps. Remember those? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. It was actually a very, very good first car, but um, I couldn't wait to sell it. And I bought myself a Carmen Ghia, so I, I felt much cooler in that car. Let me ask you a bit of an introspective question. We're going to get in your head a little bit here, Steve. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car parked in your shop, what kind of car would Steve be and why? I think I'd probably be uh, maybe a 288 GTO. A 288 okay. GTO is an all-time fun car for me. It's very unique. I mean, the people looking at that car think that it's a um, that it's a hot rod 308, but 70% of the pieces on that car are unique to that car. And when you take a look at that, um, the, the mirrors on the car, the, the, those are mirrors that were made for like 272 cars. They, everything is pretty special on that. And so I guess I like to think of that as being um, that, that everybody likes to think of themselves a bit unique. And I suppose that's where I come in on that. I think of myself a bit unique like that car. A absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to enter what I call the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give us some quick blips of that 288 GTO throttle. So here we go. Would you share one of your personal habits you think has contributed to your success and what you do over the years? I think part of it is that I like to get up early and work early. I'll be up at generally six o'clock sitting at my desk and I'll be doing what I'll call my personal projects, writing for Sports Car Market or one of the magazines or doing my personal products before projects before I go to work. So that that's probably the habit that uh, has been best for me is getting up early to work. You know, I love that too. And I think mine kind of came from, for five years, I was a paper boy. So I got up at 4.30 in the morning, delivered papers, and then I'd go down and go surfing and then ride up to school and enjoy the day. And ever since then, it's kind of stuck with me. And I've had many people on the show here who are very successful in business, 
And they talk about the fact that getting up early, getting that extra hour or two in the morning, and some folks are like four o'clock in the morning risers. I don't get up quite that early anymore. But you mentioned Sports Car Market. Um, The newest issue of Sports Car Market, I've got a copy in my hands here. It's the May 2020 issue. Uh, And I'll remind listeners, um, uh, you can get a discount on that right now. If you go to the website, Sports Car Market, and type in BSH, you get $10 off your subscription. Or you can use a Carja code and get 50% off of a digital subscription. But you write for them, and you have an article in this. I was just looking at it this morning uh, about a Ferrari. So uh, congratulations. You write some great articles for them uh, to bring all of us up to date on all the history of these cars. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Well, I think most people would guess that my answer would be Enzo Ferrari. And the problem is, I would have no idea what to ask him. So Enzo Ferrari <laughs> yeah. is, is not going to be on the list because I'd just be standing in the, in the room being totally quiet and not have a conversation. However, I think the person that I would like to have that conversation with is going to be Colin Chapman. I think Colin Chapman is, is, is quite of an inspiring person. When you watch what he did with cars, that would be something that, that, that you, you, you just have to say, how did you think of that? What what gave you the idea of doing a dual chassis car? What gave you the idea of um, of doing the aerodynamics on the cars early on? What is it about making a car lighter that uh, that that was that, that was your mantra? And, and I think that Colin Chapman's got to be the person. Yeah, a very interesting guy. I remember the first time I got to drive an Elite. I still remember this. I felt like I was driving a piece of jewelry. Everything felt so light. And delicate. Even the steering wheel is afraid if I push too hard, I'd snap it in half. And of course, that all fiberglass body. And my first race car, vintage race car, was a 1960 Lotus Formula 18 Junior. And I always thought about him a little bit when I got in that car. I mean, these little tiny tubes. I never felt very safe in that thing. I'll tell you that. Definitely, you know, what he did with that car, the rear engine and uh, the uh, Renault Dolphine gearbox and the delicate little shifter and everything. Yeah, interesting guy. Now, when it comes to buying and selling classic cars, I think we already answered this, but I'll ask it again. What's the best advice you give somebody? I typically ask people what they've received as advice, but what you give somebody when they're looking to buy a classic car? That if you can't afford a nice one, you really can't afford a rough one. (laughs) Definitely. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, I would see through the years the guys want to buy. I, I want, I want a twelve-cylinder Ferrari, and they'll find this beat-up old three thirty-two plus two that you know is needs at that at that point twenty thousand dollars for an engine, and now it could be much more than that. And needed a you know fifteen thousand dollars worth of paint and body work, and they want to buy it on the cheap. It doesn't work. Buy the nicest one you can buy. Let the other guy pay for the restoration. How about a resource? Is there one that you think our listeners should know about that's a go-to for you? My man, I have to go back to Sports Car Market. When I use their their guide and their uh, to values uh, quite a bit, and I also will use their profiles or their history in there that I'll go back to the, well, I guess they call it their platinum section. I spend a lot of time there 
looking stuff up. But in particular, I like to go to my library. I have a collection of Cavallino magazines, and Cavallino has an index for that uh, for their magazines. And so I spend a lot of time going to the index when I'm right when I'm doing research. I'll go to the Cavallino index and use that to find an article on a car that uh, that I'm working on. Yeah, John Barnes, Cavallino Magazine, great publication. It's one of the few magazines I still subscribe to. Uh, wonderful write-ups and history and so forth. And uh, he and his lovely wife put on an awesome show every year in January, Cavallino, uh, which I've attended many times. It's a dream come true event. If you have the great fortune to be in that part of the world, it's well worth attending. They also have a great show the Sunday after at Mar-a-Lago, which has all sorts of different classic cars as well. And there's three days of racing out the track there. It's just a, it's just a great thing. And you mentioned sports car market. Again, I'll remind our listeners and, uh, you'll hear, um, on the buy, sell, hold podcast that Steve's on, um, that we're doing some special offers with a sports car market right now for subscribing, whether it's an online subscription, their digital subscription, you get 50% off of the special code or you can get, uh, $10 off their magazine subscription. Well worth subscribing to. How about a book? Is there a book that you might share with us, Steve? Yeah, I think that anybody that wants to learn about Ferraris has to have Fitzgerald and Merritt. Uh, Warren Fitzgerald and Dick Merritt got together years ago and they did a book on more or less the history of the Ferraris and uh, the different Ferrari types. Anybody that is going to try and learn about Ferraris, you really have to have Fitzgerald and Merritt in your library. You can buy them on eBay, I guess several other places on the internet. It is not totally up to date as far as history, there's going to be some things that um, that are not correct in there. But as far, as far as a source to learn about the cars, the engines, what's the difference between, you know, why did they do the four-cylinder engine at this time? When did they go to the V6? In terms of all that information, I think that that is uh, that's certainly a book that everybody should have on their desk. And then the other one, I think that uh, that everybody should uh, read at some point is the Last Open Road. Um, if you've read the last open road, I mean, the, the, the story of what it was like back during that era, I think he, the author does a wonderful job of capturing what, uh, what the sports car world was like during that era. Uh, the great Burt Levy, of course, the last open road, he's got a whole series of books. I think there's nine, eight, ten maybe books that he's written. They are incredible. And he's recently released an audio version of the last open road that you can get if you go to his website. I'll put a link to it. I'm actually, I actually have a cameo on that. I was asked by Bert to uh, be record a little bit of one of the characters in the show. Uh, you'll have to figure out who I am there. But Last Open Road, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, buddy, Colombo. He's yeah, great, great <laughs> book. Yeah. All right, Steve, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car today. Anything you want, no matter who owns it, where it is, I'm going to park it in your garage couple rules, though, that make this game a little more interesting. It's the only collector car you can have. You have to drive it, no garage queens, and you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with, or a house, or a boat, or an airplane, depending on what kind of car you pick. So choose wisely. Well, if you listen to uh, 
the buy, sell, and hold I was on. I'm going to go back to the same car. A couple of years ago at Amelia Island, there was a Pegaso, a 1952 Pegaso Z102 that was absolutely breathtaking. If I had to bring it down to one car, this is the car that that's going to be it. It was a brilliant orange. It had, um, as I remember, red wheels on it. And, and it was it yeah. was the most spectacular car I've seen in my life. It's an insanely wild, crazy, different, you will never see anything like this. For you listeners that have not had the pleasure of seeing this car, and I've seen this car in person, it is really odd, but it's lovely, and it you can't not keep looking at it, because everything about it, I mean, the side window kind of leans out like a, like the front of a VW bus with hinges on the top. It's got this glass like dome in the back that you put your casket in, I guess. You're taking him to the cemetery. Yeah, the big pipes down the side are reminiscent of a uh, Shelby. It's nuts, isn't it? It's just crazy. Did you see the car at Amelia? No. Um, Where did I see the car? I think it was, uh, was it at the Quail maybe? Or has it been on the lawn at Pebble? It's It probably was somewhere on the West Coast. The When it was displayed at uh, Amelia, it belongs to the Lohman Collection. I guess they're out of Holland. He had this model out in front that had this Pegasos are Spanish cars and they're the Spanish equivalent. Uh, I guess we call it of a Ferrari. They were not built for a long period of time. Picasso, as I remember is a bus manufacturer and they made these cars for, for quite a while. And the cars are insanely detailed. You open the hood and take a look underneath the hood. It's beautiful detail down underneath the hood. The whole cars are, are just totally artistic. Well, anyway, they had this displayed with this beautiful model out in front, dressed in a Spanish, I guess, kind of a peasant garb with this big Spanish belt on. And, and, and I mean, to this day, I can close my eyes and remember what the scene was of pulling together the Spanish car and this Spanish, beautiful Spanish lady at, at the same time. It, it was an incredible display. Yeah. And then you open the inside and it's got like a mint lime green interior. Yeah. I mean, somebody, somebody was having fun with this thing. You know, it, it's a fabulous car and I'm glad you picked that car because it's just so far out there. So unique, not unlike who you are, Steve. So <laughs> thanks for playing along with that game. Uh, you may have to wait a little bit. I'm going to have to save up. That thing's going to probably be very pricey. Uh, but I knew your, your taste is going to be on the higher end. So I, um, I was kind of prepared. So good for you. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you. You've taken us on a great ride. This has been really fun. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us maybe one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the Florida sunrise in that beautiful Pagasso Z102? Well, I think that um, everybody should take the time when they have the chance to get out and drive their cars. When you're in Florida, that gets a little bit difficult. But if you're in the other parts of the country, get out, drive that car, show it with other people. I've got a uh, 30-year-old son, and uh, people will ask him, well, why aren't kids interested in cars? And he says, he describes it as you go to a show, and the people won't let you close to their cars. He said, if you see somebody that's interested in the car, set them in the car, let them touch the steering wheel, let them see what that seat feels like, let them experience it. Because nowadays, people don't experience cars the way that we did. When we were young, uh, they, they were more sensual, I guess, not to us than than what cars are today and uh you know they they were they were somewhat crude and now you get in cars and they're all so 
antiseptic, I guess we'll call it. And, and so if you've got a collector car, put a kid in it, let him see what it was like during the time and let him get the love for the cars like we have. Well, that's why the cars and coffee events are great, as you mentioned earlier in our talk today, is because people are much more likely. I understand on a Concours lawn, letting a kid jump in your car might be a little tough because you prepped it for judging and so forth. But I've seen plenty of people on the lawn at Pebble that after their car has been judged, they let kids sit in them, let them enjoy them. It sparks an interest, and that's what's great about vintage racing. Uh, I raced vintage cars for 12 years. Everyone let kids sit in their cars, put their helmet on, and dream a little bit. So definitely do that. Great advice from Steve today. What's the best way for listeners to learn more about Motor Car Gallery? Well, motorcargallery.com is where people are going to find us. I usually do most of the description of cars, and that's the fun part of doing it is that I get to do the research on the cars as well as uh, as do the write-up and um, try and make it brief, but uh, yeah, try and make it informational also. So that that's a good place to learn about us. Absolutely. And by the way, they also have an Instagram page that you can find. They have a Facebook page you can like, and you can follow along with what they're doing. Check it out, but pour yourself a tall drink because you're going to be there a while looking at all the wonderful cars that they have to share. And, of course, if you're down in the Fort Lauderdale area, look Steve up, stop in and say hello and check out the ride. You can find everything that Steve has shared today on his very own Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Steve Algrim, A-H-L-G-R-I-M is the spelling of his last name, and you'll find everything there. And, again, look for his show with Keith Martin and I on Buy, Sell, Hold coming up. And we've got one of Steve's business colleagues, Tom Clark, who will be a guest here in a few days on Cars Yeah. Steve, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. I'll be looking forward to running into you somewhere. Thanks a lot. That will be great. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, this is Mark Green. If you love the Cars Yeah podcast, I have something new for you. I've teamed up with Keith Martin, a collector car market expert and the editor of Sports Car Market Magazine to create the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast. Buy, Sell, Hold is the essence of collecting. Together, we take you on an educational ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so you know when to buy, sell, hold. We talk with seasoned experts, who buy, sell, and hold investment vehicles, and they'll share their insider secrets on how they make their buying decisions when it comes to making these important investments. You'll find the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast on the Cars yeah! website, on the Sports Car Market website, and if you're a podcast app subscriber to Cars yeah! Buy, Sell, Hold will come right to your mobile device, just like the Cars yeah! podcast, automatically. Join Keith Martin and me on a great new venture on the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Cars Yeah!